Sermon number 623, we've got a lot to give. Preached on Stewardship Sunday, November 5th, 1972. Text is Luke, the 12th chapter, the 48th verse. The man to whom much is given, of him much is required. The man to whom more is given, of him much more is required. the twelfth chapter, hear the word of God as we begin to read at the thirty-third verse. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell all your belongings and give the money to the poor. Provide for yourselves purses that don't wear out, and save your riches in heaven where they will never decrease. For no thief can get to them, no moth can destroy them. For your heart will always be where your riches are. Be ready for whatever comes with your clothes fastened tight at the waist and your lamps lit like servants who are waiting for their master to come back from a wedding feast. When he comes, and knocks, they will open the door for him at once. How happy are those servants whose master finds them awake and ready. I tell you, he will fasten his belt, have them sit down and wait on them. How happy are they if he finds them ready, even if he should come as late as midnight or even later. And remember this. If the man of the house knew the time when the thief would come, he would not let the thief break into his house. And you too be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you are not expecting him. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable to us, or do you mean it for everybody? The Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise servant? He is the one whom his master will put in charge to run the household and give the other servants their share of the food at the proper time. How happy is that servant if his master finds him doing this when he comes home? Indeed, I tell you, the master will put that servant in charge of all of his property. But if that servant says to himself, Oh, my master is taking a long time to come back, and he begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and eats and drinks and gets drunk, then the master will come back someday when the servant does not expect him, and at a time he does not know. Well, the master will cut him to pieces and make him share the fate of the disobedient. The servant who knows what his master wants him to do, but does not get himself ready and do what his master wants, he will be punished with a heavy whipping. But the servant who does not know what his master wants and does something for which he deserves a whipping will be punished with a light whipping. 
the man to whom much is given, of him much is required. The man to whom more is given, of him more is required. Over 30 years ago, a man by the name of Henry Louis Garrett stood on the carpeted grass infield of Yankee Stadium one afternoon and he spoke into a microphone. To those who were in the capacity crowd of Yankee Stadium that day and to all who heard over the airwaves, they heard this man say something that has touched many a heart. For those who heard that man speak that day and those of us who have read about it, we know that man said very simply that that day he considered himself the most fortunate man that ever lived. Now, the reason that so many of our hearts have been touched by that simple message of truth is because we know, as he knew, that his body was racked with pain and that within a very short time he would be dead. And that man who has been called the pride of the New York Yankees, Lou Gehrig, moved the heart of America because in the face of death he considered himself the most fortunate man to be alive that day. You know, I don't think any of us to know how fortunate we really are unless we are willing to look at life in relationship to death. Those of us, no matter what our station is in life, who have so much, I don't think we realize how fortunate we are and how much we have until we realize and accept the idea that someday for each one of us Someday, we will have not. It's only when we are willing to look at that day which is coming in your life and in mine, when we shall have nothing, that we are able to realize and accept how fortunate we are because of what we have today. God's been very good to you and very good to me. And everything that we are and have, everything, it's a gift from God. These bodies that you and I today will rest, feed, exercise, medicineize, abuse and use the clothes, uh, the bodies that we have pampered and primped. These are gifts 
from God alone to you and to me. This body that you see standing before you, it's a gift of God. Now sometimes, just as you do not like your body, I do not like my body. There are times that I wish that it was taller, more handsome. At all, all times, I wish it did not have the desire, and that desire being so apparent to all of you, its desire for chocolate cake and chocolate candy. But nevertheless, this body, which is me, and encloses the spirit, which is also a gift of God to me. This is a gift. I stand here today, was able to get out of my bed, dress, and come and stand before you today, as you come and sit before me today. These are gifts of God. It is a gift of God that you and I are alive this moment. It's God's wisdom that for some reason or other he has you and me alive on Sunday morning, November 5, 1972. This body that stands before you, the heart is beating this very second. And I know someday this heart which now is beating, every beat a gift from God. There will come a day when his heart will beat no more. These lungs which now breathe, every breath a gift of God, someday they will be still. The miles of blood that are running through these veins, every movement of a corpuscle, a gift of God, someday that blood will cease to flow. And my body, which today is alive, the spirit of life will be God. What I have today is the most fortunate thing of my material possession, my body, the gift of God. Everything socially, you and I have has been a gift of God. Everything. The parents which have born us, the homes in which we have been raised, the schools in which we have been educated, the teachers who have taught us, the people who have served as inspirations in our lives, who have taught us good gifts from God. I'm very grateful for the home that God gave me. And when God brought me into this world, he gave to my parents not only a gift, which is a miracle through birth, but he also gave them to me as a gift. 
And now, since one of them has passed on to the greater gifts of the life beyond, I think I realize more now than at any other time in my life how fortunate I am because he gave those two people to me, those two wonderful, godly, wise, gentle people to be the ones who I call my mother and my father. I'm the most fortunate person in the world. Not only because of the home and the people that God has given to me, but because of you. In Christian love, I say, God has given you to me as a gift. And I thank God regularly for each one of you. The health, the strength, the support, the love, yes, even the constructive criticism, which is a little hard to take sometimes. These are gifts of God through you to me. I did not choose you, and you did not choose me, but in the infinite wisdom of the gifts which God gives, he chose you for me and me for you. And someday, ladies and gentlemen, I will not have you, and you will not have me. And today I consider myself the most fortunate pastor in America and the world today because God has given you and me each other. How fortunate we are. God has given to me and you everything spiritual that you and I know and have. He has given to us not only his greatest gift, his Son, Jesus Christ, as the Lord and Savior of mankind, but what's more, he has given to you and to me the faith to believe in him as our personal Lord and Savior. We would not have him nor the ability to believe unless these both came from God as gifts to you and me. We have the Bible. We have the opportunity of prayer. We have this church. And someday, ladies and gentlemen, we will not be able to pick up a Bible and read this word, which is to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. There's going to be some morning in this world's existence when I am not going to have that opportunity to say my Father which art in heaven. There's going to be a day when it's going to be too late no matter how much I may desire to come and worship in this great church. look at it in that light, we are truly a fortunate people for all the spiritual things that God has given to you and to me. And we really are fortunate when we realize that everything we have financially, everything, every penny, 
that I have ever made or thought I made or will make, it can be traced back to a gift from God. I don't care how many talents, how many abilities you have, I don't even care what they are, all I know is that everything that God has given to you and to me in the form of a skill, a talent, an ability, which in turn has come back to us in the form of paychecks. Every one of those has been a gift from God. Yes, we work hard. We work hard, so do I. And sometimes we get to think that we earn these things and that we've gotten them by the sweat of our brow. But tell me, is not even the opportunity to labor and the ability to have tenacity? Even these are gifts from God. No matter how you try to rationalize it, everything you have and I have the gift of God. And when we realize in the light of death someday these things which God has given to us as gifts in the form of loans, we will not have. Then I think we begin to see reality and in reality see that we today are the most fortunate people that are alive. For anybody on any day who realizes the gifts, both great and small, that God has given to him, that for him is a day when he realizes he is the most fortunate person alive. So many of us today are so upset with life. And you know one of the reasons? I think we are concentrating so much on what we do not have that we forget the things that we do have. And when we remember the things that we do have, I think we cannot help but ask the question, why? Why? Why has God given to you and me the physical, the social, the spiritual, the opportunity to make the financial? Why has he given to me a talent, a use, an ability that maybe other people don't have? Why? When you search your hearts and your scriptures, you'll find, I think, two reasons. Two reasons, and only two. One. And both of these, let me say, are equally important, interrelated. Both are of the same coin, maybe of different sides, but both answers are necessary, and without the other, one is not complete. But one of the answers, God has given unto me and to you these particular gifts a combination of which he has not given to any other person, so that you and I can live. Can live. God, you see, has given us these things so that under his guidance we may come to find a life that, it is, that is creative and complete and constructive 
and meaningful and redeemed and liberated and fulfilled. <coughs> yes. God never gave anything to any one of us. Not even our problems and the ability to cope with them, to hurt us. Everything that God has given to us is good, and he has given it to us to help us to find a life that is worth living. He gave these things to us so that we might live. Was it not Jesus Christ, the greatest gift that God has given to man, who said of himself, I have come that ye might have life, and that you might have it abundantly. God has given you so much as he has given me. One reason so that you and I, we can find a life that is full and wonderful and happy and complete. And when God gives us so much as he has given us, he expects us to live a life that is full. He never expected us to take any one of these gifts that he has given to us and make into it an end unto itself. Each one of these gifts are meant to be means to the greater end of how to live. <laughs> and secondly, God has given unto us so many of these gifts so that we might give. Live and give, both equally important, both interrelated, both depend upon each other. God has given to you and to me so much. You know why? Because he believes in you and me. He trusts us. He believes that you and I have the wisdom, the power, and the ability to manage and to use the gifts that he has given to us by not only finding a way to live with them, but by finding a way to give them so that other people in turn throughout the whole wide world may know of the gifts that God has given to them so that they in turn can learn to live and to give so that in turn other people yet may learn the gifts which God has given so that they may learn to live and to give. It's an endless cycle. But God has given to you and to me so much, not just so that we can live, but also so that we can give. And the two go together. One is like a hand in the glove. And the real reason, ladies and gentlemen, I believe that so many people cannot give of their physical and of their spiritual and of their social and of their financial is simply because they do not know how to live. If you can't live, you can't give, and if you don't give, it's because you're not living. That's the simple reason. But when you realize in life that you are the recipient of so much, and ask yourself, why has God showered so many blessings upon me? Then I realize that he has given them to me not only how to live, to, so that I know how to live, 
and can find a life, but so that I can give so that another may find life. This is what it means. We are blessed to be a blessing. You ever heard that before? When we begin to think this way, then, ladies and gentlemen, Christian friends, we become stewards, what the Bible calls stewards of God. You see, yeah, I know, and here you think the line's coming. Stewardship is not, and should never be thought of, as a wonderful gimmick and plan of a financial committee to try and meet the church budget. That's not stewardship. Stewardship, as Wilburn Thomas of our own Department of Stewardship Inter Interpretation said, stewardship really has nothing to do with our relationship with the possessions which we have here on earth during a lifetime, but it has everything to do with the relationship we have with God who possesses us for all eternity. Stewardship, you see, is a way of life. Stewardship is recognizing that all of these things come from God and they have been given to me for two reasons. One, so that I might live, and two, so that I might give. And the problem, you see, within stewardship, though, is that so many people interpret it as being they only want my money, and they don't see that we're trying to help you to live a life. Stewardship is a way of life, and you are either committed to it or you are not. And it is the responsibility of the leadership of this church and of these pastors to try and help you to see that stewardship is something that you cannot live without. For unless you are willing to wrestle with the gifts that God has given to you and are willing to say, how much do I need to live and how much do I need to give? then you will never become the person that God expected you to become when he gave you so much of this world's material and spiritual for you to enjoy life and for you to give. If we don't give, we don't live. And we don't live if we don't give. Unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, it's very difficult for a pastor or for a finance committee to try and get the people in the church to see this, to try and get them to try to understand stewardship for their own sake. We're not interested in just raising money. That will come. We're interested in raising life in you and in me. And the best way that I can understand this is to remind you how much God has given you and me. You know, as I look over the role of this church and as I look out over the nearly 470 people that are here this morning, it's almost frightening. Not because your faces are frightening, no. 
It's because I know you, most of you, and I know the power, the potential, the ability, the talents, the money that God has given to you, and it's a great amount. When I look at our community and realize that we are living in a community where the average family income is $11,000 a year, and when I'm in your homes, and when I look at our cars, and the clothes we wear, and the positions of power that we possess within this city and this community and throughout this land. I get frightened because I realize I have a tremendous responsibility as being a minister to ministers, a pastor who's trying to help you to minister so that you know how to live and how to give. I feel somewhat like that president of the college who have been most successful in raising funds for his great institution. He was introduced once at a dinner as being the biggest money beggar in America. He rejected that title, he resented it, and when he had an opportunity to respond, he said, I resent that title. I have never begged for one cent. But I have helped a lot of people to become more liberal in their giving. And that is what my job and the job of the leadership of this church is, to help you to live and to live by giving. We're going to talk more about this next week. Some leaders in this church are going to be calling some of your, some of your homes next Sunday afternoon. Remember, it's for one reason. Not to raise money. That's the easiest problem we have. 